we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 23 today of Matthew chapter 16. You guys got a Bible? 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Amen. Lord God, your word is so powerful. It convicts us to the bone. This is what we do, Lord. We honor men before we honor you. We honor our own thinking before we honor you. Thank you for coming to us, Lord, so to clearly teach us your word and your truth. Forgive us, Lord, for rejecting you and your teaching of us, Lord. We pray our lives unto you. Thank you so much. Guide us through your word, Lord, we pray, Lord. Lord, uh, I ask for forgiveness. Uh, I trust in you, though, Lord, always about this. I didn't have as much time in your word this week, Lord. And so we just trust, though, Lord, uh, it's your work here, Lord, being done. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16 begins, uh, From that time forth, from then on, right? So from then on, from what, right? In the prior passage, it was made clear who Jesus was. Uh, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay? We talked about this, right? This is what makes a church a church. It starts with confessing Jesus as Son of the living God, the Christ. Right? That Jesus is God the King. He who is life and he who gives life. God the King. Right? And we talked about how when this is the confession that is boldly and gladly believed. Right? We read it in Romans 10.10. Within the heart and confessed with the mouth. Then this is where a church can start, live, and grow. This bold and glad belief in Jesus as the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, God the King, is the foundation of the church. The church is unhealthy when it is indecisive and apathetic about Jesus. But when the church is decisive and emphatic about Jesus, then the church is healthy and well. Okay? So... In last time's passage, it had become clear to Jesus' disciples who he was, the Christ. Okay? Now, today's passage, verse 21, from then on, Jesus' disciples can begin to learn the second point about Jesus. He is the suffering Christ. Okay? 
right? But I thought God's Christ came to end suffering, right? And not to endure it. That he comes to win, not to lose. Okay? That's the thinking of man, right? Here it is, verse 21. From that time forth, Jesus be, uh, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go in unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Okay, so Jesus tells his disciples, he's teaching them that it is the will of God that he must suffer. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. It was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Okay, it was the will of God that God the Son, God the King, the Christ, would be the substitutionary suffering servant who would suffer many things. Right? That he would bear everything. He for us. Right? This is the very core of the Christian gospel. And I, I, I think we read it um, during Easter. I'll read it again. Matthew or Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and, and yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right? Even after confessing him as Christ. This is part of what we're going to look at today. Okay? So this in Isaiah was long before Jesus' arrival. God the King, the Christ. Okay? That he was going to be the substitutionary suffering servant who would bear everything, right? He for us. This is the very core of the Christian gospel. The gospel from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Okay? Back to Matthew chapter 16. It was the will of God, verse 21 for Jesus to go away to Jerusalem, okay? For Jerusalem was not only the place that the Messiah was revealed, right? It was also the place that the Messiah must suffer, okay? Bible commentator Matthew Henry said, there, Jerusalem, all the sacrifices were offered, there, therefore, he must die who is the great sacrifice. Okay? And who was it that was to inflict the suffering on the Messiah? Again, verse 21. The elders and chief priests and scribes. Right? The people in the church. 
the pastors, the Bible teachers. The Messiah comes to his own and his own reject him. John chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. This is an admonition to the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Arnold. Amen. Okay, so two things in our Matthew passage are colliding. Okay? The way that believes success is the sign of God. Okay? These two things are colliding. Two ways, okay? The way that believes success is the sign of God, and the way that believes suffering is the sign of God. Okay? Two things are colliding here. The way that believes success is the sign of God, and the way that believes suffering is the sign of God. Quote, Jesus has to disabuse his disciples of two ideas. Okay? Teach them differently of two ideas. Of the idea that the Messiah meant pomp and power. And of the idea that religious leadership would be the Messiah's main boosters. Okay? Jesus had to teach the opposite. Right? That he must suffer and his own people would be his main enemies. This is still true. This is an opportunity for repentance, right? Praise God. To be healed and cleansed into his righteousness. And verse 21, Jesus would not, of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus would not only suffer, he would be killed, right? He would be executed, put to death as a menace to society. Okay? And, okay, and be raised again the third day. Verse 21. Okay? So the glory of Jesus' resurrection is always joined to his suffering and death. Always. Always joined together. Okay? And this is historical Jesus himself saying these things. Okay? This is the all the confirmation we need. God has come in a human body, and he himself is telling us these historical, truthful events. Okay? But even after just confessing him Christ, God the King, Peter will not take Jesus' words as they appear out of Jesus' own mouth. Right? Verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Okay? Uh, I think it's appropriate I got convicted about this. 
to start by giving Peter some credit here. Okay? He's, a, he's attempting to assure Jesus of God's mercy and of God's protection, right? He's trying to love Jesus, really. Peter thinks he's doing Jesus a favor. Jesus, God will have mercy on you, right? Okay, quote, what this encounter teaches us, among other things, is that we not only err when we follow our worst thoughts, okay? We as often and more seriously err when we follow our best thoughts, right? Peter had good intentions here for Jesus, such as the fine thought of the connection between the mercy of God and the protection of the faithful. Okay? God's mercy onto us doesn't mean that everything will go as we want it to go. Right? But God's mercy onto us does mean that everything will go just as Jesus wants it to go. God's mercy and his protection of the faithful doesn't always go the way we want it to go, but it does always go the way Jesus wants it to go. We not only err when we follow our worst thoughts, we as often and more seriously err when we follow our best thoughts. Right? Jesus is teaching us about mercy and protection by God. It includes suffering. Right? If we're not suffering, then we should be concerned. Right? Second Timothy 3.12 says, All they who follow Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. Exactly. It's a good sign. And, and the apostles rejoiced. Yeah. And it's part of God's mercy, right? It's evidence of God's mercy on our life. Exactly. So Jesus' disciples had the truth, right? They knew he was Christ, God the King, but the way they understood the Christ was wrong. Okay? This is what God's teaching us, right? The disciples need to get the second point in the teaching of Christ. We need to get the second point in the teaching of Christ. Not only that Jesus is the Christ, but that Jesus is the suffering Christ. Okay? Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 16. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an, an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Okay? This is so simple, right? But it's so profound, okay? A disciple's place is that of following Jesus, obeying him, not correcting him. Peter is a good example of the dangers of discipleship. Quote, The new life does not release a man from conflict with unbelief, pride, lust, and fear. Right? This is why we confess. The disciple must constantly relearn the hard art of following Jesus. Okay? It is not learned all at once. 
and prior inspirations by God do not guarantee later ones. Okay? Following Jesus in this context, right, means following Jesus' clear words, right? The church's teaching must be expository, right? We go word for word through the words of Jesus. Disciples must go over and over Jesus' words in order to cure the long-established habits, right, that are unlikely to change. Verse 23, Jesus' words, get back behind me, right? Again, the place for disciples is behind Jesus, okay? Which means behind and under his clear, though sometimes difficult, to like teachings, right? Let's be honest, we don't like Jesus' teachings. But it's very clear. We don't preach our own thoughts. We don't teach our own thoughts and ideas. Such as the human idea of God's love. That people shouldn't suffer. That's false doctrine. No, we honor God by preaching and teaching Jesus' words. I bet you the churches in Ukraine are praising God for how their church is growing right now. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we don't try to explain Jesus' words away and then make it about our reaction to Jesus' words, right? Oh, what do you think about what Jesus said here? What's your thought? What's your opinion about that? It's not about our reaction to his words. It's about his clear words spoken to us. Get back behind me, Satan. Quote, Jesus had come to know Satan well in the temptations. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And there Jesus had learned three times that Satan's cause is the sensational. Okay, right? Satan said, turn these stones into bread. Jump, I'll give you the world. Right? These are the temptations to be above the ordinary, to avoid suffering, right? To win. And wherever Jesus comes into contact with these enticements, he knows their author. The very man, Peter, who a moment before had been filled with God's revelation, right? You are the Christ is now filled with the devil's revelation. No, Lord, you must not suffer. This close sequence shows how a disciple can one minute honor, another moment defy the Christ. Rocks turn suddenly into stumbling blocks, right? That's what Peter went through, from the rock to the stumbling block. Saints become devils, all within the space of a few moments. 
Whenever we point to Jesus as the ultimate, we are rocks. Okay? Whenever against Jesus' clear word, we try to defend Jesus or his followers or ourselves from the Messiah's way of suffering, we are devils. Peter has consumed the leaven of sensationalism that Jesus warned against in Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. Just go back a few verses. He's guilty of what Jesus has just warned him of. Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right? We are to guard our doctrine, our teaching. 1 Timothy 4.16. Right? Whenever we point to Jesus as the ultimate, we are rocks. Whenever against Jesus' clear word, we try to defend, quote-unquote, Jesus or his followers or ourselves from the Messiah's way of suffering, we are devils. Right? Sometimes Peter has it right. Sometimes he doesn't. And this is the story of the Christian church, including its leadership. Peter was called a rock in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 16 because his confession of Jesus as Christ was inspired by God and not by human resources. Right? Verses 17, Jesus tells him that. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Revealed by God, not by man. Right? But Peter is a stumbling block and Satan here because his thinking comes from human resources and not from God. Jesus rebukes Peter for what? In verse 23. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Right? Because you are not gripped by the concerns of God, but by the concerns of human beings. This is why he told him to get behind. Why he called him Satan. Because you are not gripped by the concerns of God, but by the concerns of human beings. How many times out of love have we put human concern before what God tells us to do? Because you are not gripped by the concerns of God, but by the concerns of human beings. Satan is the inspirer of human obsessing after greatness and success. Think about this, right? Satan is the inspirer of human obsessing after greatness and success. God is the inspirer of the divine concern for lowliness and service. Luke chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says, For that which is highly prized by men is detestable in the sight of God. Okay? Satan is trying to inspire people to greatness and success, health and wealth. 
in the church. But God, through Jesus Christ, is inspiring us to lowliness and to service. Peter's acknowledgement of Jesus as the Christ, his pointing to Christ, is indeed the first act that makes a church a church, but this alone is not enough. It is just as important that the church follow Christ, right? Be submitted to Him. Be behind Him. If the, as the church, the body of Christ, we must be submitted to the leading and teaching of our Lord Jesus. And once again, what is at the center of this dramatic encounter between Jesus and Peter? It is the cross, right? It's the cross. John Chrysostom said about AD 390, this cross saved and converted the world, drove away error, brought back truth, made earth heaven, fashioned men into angels. Because of this cross, the devils are no longer terrible, but contemptible. Neither is death, death, but sleep. All of that because of the cross. The cross saved and converted the world. Drove away error. Brought back truth. Made earth heaven. Fashioned men into angels. Because of this cross, the devils are no longer terrible, but contemptible. Neither is death, death, but sleep. Right? All only because of the cross. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. 